Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday, and I actually have a little time, so... uh... I want to say something about Purim. Uh, since it's around the corner, I started thinking about uh, Megillah and the Purim and the Masechta and all the rest. That's why I do it this time of the year. I want to thank our good friend Bluck, Gluck, Gluck, uh, uh, Plumbers for uh, sponsoring this aid block in, in, in Lakewood. He's uh, obviously a leading friend of the podcast, and I'm very grateful <coughs> they st- step right up to the place, happy to do it. That makes everything uh, very pleasant. So thank you. And let's take a look at a piece of Purim, uh, Zer Onim. Uh, and I'll show you how it ties together. And I, what I'm going to do today is I always do is that this is my opinion. can't prove it. And there's two ways of approaching the issue, as I see once in the form of a Dvar Torah. So I'll tell you my own little Dvar Torah on that. But the other one is more of a historical uh, deconstruction, which is what historians do whenever they looked at certain customs and aspects, <coughs> things try to break it up into its component parts, but it's just a guess on my part. Yeah, nobody will know. It's what, what I think. <clears throat> okay, so here we go. Everybody, I'm sure, is aware that the Ramah says that um, there's a custom on poor among the many customs that there are out there, but the Yesh Omrim Sheyesh Lechol Michael Zeronim Bepurim, that there's a, a custom to uh, eat Zeronim, which would be pulse or, you know, kidneys, that kind of thing, or, or beans and peas, really. Uh, things of that nature. Why? What's that got to do with Purim? It's got nothing to do with Purim. <clears throat> it's not part of the Esther story at all. So, So the reason given is from the Kolbo. So Kolbo is a collection of Minhagim. We don't know exactly who wrote it. Or let me put it this way. There are different Kolbos out there and different pieces of it. But anyhow, <clears throat> it's like 12th century, I believe. I'm, I'm sorry, 13th century. And, uh, you know, the Ramah is recording it, so it's an old Ashkenazic minute. Lechel Michael Zeronim Bepurim to eat something, like they say today, uh, chickpeas, garbanzo beans, that sort of thing on Purim. Because you want to remember the Zeronim, the beans that were eaten by Daniel Vachaver Bababel. What's that got to do with Purim? It doesn't say. And the Mishnah Brewer, if anything, makes it worse, in my opinion, because he points out Queen Esther ate zero according to one shot. <clears throat> this has to do with the famous question where it says, which means that when Queen Esther was in the beauty contest, right? As we all know. And uh, she won favor with the guy in charge. Uh, I've explained that in the past. You know, she wasn't one of these hillbilly girls or something like that. She already came in BJJ. And so she, <laughs> she didn't eat the bar of soap. She knew what to do with it. And so as a result, so he fast-tracked her, and he also was Mishan, he gave her a shinoi, he, he gave her a change, so now there's something special, Latov, Aishanel Latov. So, um, what could that mean? So, three opinions of the Gemara, one is that she, he gave her bacon, Kadla de Chazir, Rashi bacon, so it was, uh, you know, tasty Chazir, so he gave her, like we would say today, dainty food, Another shot is 
that he gave her, uh, what was it again? One was Dainty Food, and the other one, and the third one was Zeronim. Uh, for some reason, it escapes me in a second. One second. Right, or he gave her kosher food. So three, uh, Michael Yehudi. So, that's Rav. So one opinion, there's three Amoras, you understand? Uh, let me read in here in the Gemara. By Chanel, it's time to sell this on your Gimel. Uh, where is it over here? That one says, and okay, so um, he gave either. So it's a three. It's a big three-way argument. One is that he gave her the best tray food around. Why not? He didn't know she's Jewish. Ain Esther Magedis Molada Tvesamo. The whole point of the story is that she hid her Jewish identity, which was a bummer. The second shot is he gave her Michael Yehudi. That's so weird. It's so suggestive. Now, so let's put it this way. It might mean that the guy in charge of the harem said like this, I, <laughs> I know Beit Yaakov girl when I see her. So your secret is safe with me, baby. But he showed her, you know, who how he knew who she really was. And he didn't tell by giving her Michael Yehudi. That's a whole story within a story. If that's true, by the way, that's the only shot I can figure out that means over there. What do you mean? That Haggai, whoever it was, Shashka's Haggai, whatever his name was, gave her Michael Yehudi. Everybody else he gave trait. According to this shot, everybody else, all the other women, the 50,000 women that passed through the king's palace, king's bed, he gave her a trait. And Esther, he said, here, honey, this is for you. You know, it's uh, like I said before, he could tell a Basiaco girl. The third one is neutral. You know, uh, Paul gave her beans. That is to say, vegetables, which were not kosher, not treif. You know what I mean by that, right? <laughs> so, uh, and and why? Biochan says that because it says by Daniel that he ate it. So what are you talking about? In the book of Daniel, that's a gadato, what I just said. It's a gadato. Because all it says by Chanel, it's not a solotopes and a sheem. The simple pushup shop means that he gave her a good apartment. If you've ever imagined what a harem is like, it's a million women. See, each one's got like a, you know, uh, what should I say? I don't even think they have their own bedroom. I'm, I'm very serious about that. I'm not being funny. If you know the history of harems. Uh, you know, they like slept on uh, cots and beds and all. One thing you don't have in a harem is, is privacy. Get it? A few, the women at the very top of the food chain get some privacy. So, by Chanel, a toe base on a sheen, we give her the best place in the harem. She had like her own private room or private suite. Uh... And that would be a sign that he favored her. And, uh, you know, he gave her uh, seven girls. I've talked about that in the past and so forth. So, depending on how you learned that Esther ate, you have three different versions of the story. Okay? Three different versions of the story. If if it was Chazer, then he moms treated her like any other Shiksa. If it was Michael Yehudi, then he must have sensed something there. You know, the way she carried herself. You know what I mean? He must have sent as a Jewish girl, as a Basi Sorol, as we say. And if it's the other one, then, you know, then what? Zeronim, then what? Why do you give her that? So this boils down to the story that you find explicitly in the scripture, not implicitly in some Agatha. As I just told you, by Yishanel, Vesnarazel can mean a lot of things, right? And just Agathically, Midrashically, they're, they're stelling too, as they say. They're just applying it. But in the book of Daniel, you have a story at the very beginning of the book of Daniel, which is not so well known. I mean, I don't think that's the number one safer people read, although they should. They should. It's extremely interesting. And uh, 
the story of Daniel is takes you back to the uh, Golos Yehoyachin. That's the end of the first temple. Uh, so remember, there were two exiles. The first, and then ten years later, the second. The first was Golos Yehoyachin, and the second one was the Golos Yehoyachin. Mordechai also was from the Golos Yehoyachin. You know, like that. So it says that um, in the beginning of book Daniel, that when they rounded up the first uh, exile, that is the Nebuchadnezzar, without going through all the history again, invaded and captured Jerusalem, so he carried off the elites, and he left the others behind. The elites would include the Harsh and the Mazgir and other people like that, and some of the children from elite families, and among these were the four Jewish guys, Daniel, Hanani, Moshe, Azari, those four guys. So four Shomer Shabbos kids, as we say today, and they found themselves carried off to Babylonia, but then they got fast-tracked into a good lane, maybe. Because it says that the king had a special college, and this college was like where you uh, train the future bureaucrats. You know, you have to read, write, math, arithmetic, and things like that, obviously, if you want to be working in the government. If it's ancient times in the Middle East, you also have to know how to interpret dreams. That was considered a science once upon a time. I understand today it's not, but I'm talking about at that time. And... Uh, Therefore, they had one of these uh, special uh, universities. In France, they have like a Ecole uh, Haute Supérieure, I believe it's called, which is, uh, you know, you get into there, and then once you graduate, you get like a high position in the government. So, because it's a rigorous uh, training, rigorous training. And so, uh, it was a three-year course, we're told, at the beginning of the Book of Daniel, and they chose from the captives the uh, kids that looked like they might have potential, and the idea was to Babylonianize them, brainwash them, make them into Goyim, and servants of the king of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And this is very Middle Eastern, that you take off your from your captive and enemy peoples, you siphon off the best and brainwash them and put them on your team. Okay? It's the reverse of Hitler, where anybody in the wrong team gets killed. Here I take the best guys on the other team, or their children, and I put them on my team. Right now, since there's a war going on between uh, Russia and Ukraine, you read it in the paper or you see on the internet that it's just interesting to me that Putin is taken from the Chechens and from the Syrians and making assassin squads try to take out Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. And the reason I say it's interesting because the Chechens, the other really screwed over by Russia, and therefore they hate the Russians, but the Russians have conquered and crushed them, and now they're using them for Russian purposes. So that's what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do with the graduates from his academy. Uh, bottom line being that we have now for the first time ever Jewish boys in college. Until then, the Jews had lived in Eretz Yisrael, in the kingdom of Yehuda, the kingdom of Yisrael, uh, until the exile. And the Jews were good, the Jews were bad, they were from the Abu Dazar, but they're all living in Israel, as far as we can tell. I mean, <clears throat> there's no proof that Jews did not live outside of Israel, but there's no mention of them. So, certainly without question, the overwhelming majority of Jews, if not all, resided in Israel. So, among other things, you're living in your own country. Now, unfortunately, the base of were destroyed. The ten tribes were lost. The kingdom of Yehud itself was, was, de was destroyed. And the captives were taken off to Babylonia. So you find Jews living in Gaulish. And certainly you find the first time ever a Jew has to adjust himself to Gaulish situations. Actually, it's not the first time. Joseph had that in Egypt. But that was a different matzif, right? On the other hand, maybe not. Jo when, you, when, when you find yourself in a Gaulish situation and you want to survive and prosper... So you're faced with certain challenges. In the case of Yosef, it was uh, girls, you know, Aisha's Potiphar, and he had to pass that test, which wasn't easy. In the case of Daniel, Daniel, Hanem, Mishal, and Zarya, problem was Kashras, which is in his oldest time. 
What do you do? And this is part of Jewish history. Whenever kids went off college or the rest of it, you know, kosher was a problem. In our time, there were usually kosher facilities around most universities, at least the big ones, and uh, the Hillel and all that business. But years ago, I mean, I remember this. It's, I'm not old enough for it, but I knew older people. They went to college university and they ate the peanut butter for four years. Uh, I'm not being funny, you know. They lived like that. Okay, okay. Now, um, so what do you do for Kashras? And the story is told that the Meltzar, the head guy in charge of the kitchen, said to Daniel Kamzo, you guys got to eat the food like everybody else. And they said, we can't do it. It's trafe. He said, well, you have to because if you don't eat the food, I'll get in trouble. And so what they said was, famously, let's switch the food for vegetables. Get it? This is something Jews did at the GIs in the Army in World War II and times like that. I know many people that live like that, that they, they tried their best to keep kosher. Some succeeded, some did not. Among those who succeeded in keeping kosher, one of the things you did was to say, I'll go to the kitchen, you know, and you don't have to give me the regular food. Give me the vegetables, the fruit and vegetables. Okay? Uh, Mr. Reich, up here. I mean, I, I, I knew people like that. And uh, I'm talking about World War II. So this is a Jewish story. And um, that's what he said. Okay? That's what he said. So the guy in charge said that Yari uh, uh, I'm afraid of the king who prepared your meals. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar took a great deal of personal interest to micromanage this college and even the, even the menus. If you don't eat, because basically Daniel was saying like this, we ain't eating treif. Then the guy says, you're going to get skinny and so forth, and I'll get killed because my job is to keep you guys all normal and good health. And Daniel said to the guy, Make a 10-day test. And give us these beans and, and, and vegetables and things like that. Rashi, I'm seeing over here, says kidneys. Many kidneys. So, in other words, we will live on vegetables and water. The steak and the uh, fancy food, you know, the chops, you give to the others. And he said, you'll see, we won't get hurt. Check our appearance. And check the appearance of the little goyim. And do what you want. And you know what happened. At the end of 10 days, the Jews look better because you know and I know it's actually healthier for you if you go to veggie root. They look very good. And quite healthy. And they look better than the other kids who are eating the regular junk. And so that's what happened. Okay? Now, according to the Shulchan Aruch, according to the Ramah, this is what you are supposed to commemorate. This is nothing to do with Purim, although it is true that Daniel lived roughly in the time of Purim. There are certain Chazal. Daniel does not appear in the book of Esther unless you say that certain people with other names are identical with Daniel. Right? So some say Hasach is identical with Daniel, but Pashim Shadis Hasach was a different guy. Some even say Memuchan was identical with Daniel. There's a toast about that. In, in Megillah, which would mean that Memuchan tells the king to kill Vashti, let's put it this way, it's not that Memuchan was really Haman, although many in Chazal hold that it is, but there's another school of thought that says Memuchan is not Haman, but it's Daniel, and uh, Tosis gives his reasons, my reason would be simple, if she was the granddaughter 
of uh, Belshazzar, the one who wiped out the base of Migdash, <laughs> Daniel was waiting to tw twist the knife in the back. You know, once she said to the king, I'm not coming to the party, Daniel saw his chance. And he said, Emal, Amalek Tov, you know, kill her, right? Or whatever he said. He never said kill her, by the way. He used circumlocutions, you know. He said, give the, give the uh, crown to someone else. Uh, and it doesn't say in Megillah that he killed Vashti, but, you know, that's the partial way of learning it. The Chazal say, chopped her head off and brought her to the king in in, in a dish, <laughs> in a discus. Uh, okay, but again, the question becomes like this. What does this have to do with Queen Esther? So it's possible to say that in the eyes of our ancestors eight or nine hundred years ago, they conflated Daniel, Esther, Mordecai, it's all that time from the Persians. They weren't so historically specific. And since they're all Tzimisht, Purim, Esther, Daniel, and we see something about Daniel, so they made a custom somewhere about Daniel that you should eat uh, Zeronim. It's a little bit weird, no question about it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's like that. We reflect what you would call an ahistorical sense. Not an historical sense. Now, lately, I find myself looking more and more into the um, Kafakhaim. Isn't that interesting? I have a new set that I bought a year or two ago, and the print is very, very nice. I like it very much. Um, very clean. It's not Nakudas, but it's clean. And I find he, he's, he's just very good in the sources he brings. We're getting into the uh, uh, um, Kafakhaim in my old age. And I'm not Sephardi. And so I look what he says over here. What's Tutsuk with this uh, Zeronim? And he quotes Yeshua Melech Zeronim, King Kosa Beisios, Shemor Chaschaim, No Golech Beporm Zechel Zeronim Bahamut. Hatam, what's this got to do with anything? Zokto Levush, Shagama Megil, Hoysagam Ken Aydei Daniel, Shua Sachofi Deri Chazal. That since Hasach is a character in the book of Esther, Lefi Drushes Chazal, meaning it doesn't say Daniel, but I'll say it's Asach. So, it's a shtick on Purim. You know, a, a shtick of a shtick. Oh, it's Purim. Gam Charvon Zacholotov. Arur Zeresh. You know, you mentioned all the big characters. And there's even a little shout, a little bit of a shout-out in Ashkenazic Minig for Daniel, for Hasach. So, you know, Ar Haman, Baruch Mordechai, Ar Vashti, whatever, Ar Zeresh, Hooray for Esther. Oh, and... Let's give a shout out for Daniel by by eating Zeronim. Uh, you know, uh, especially, I mean, if I wanted to, I if I wanted to give a tractor, which I don't, I'd say the Zeronim around. That's like for a Shiva house, and you know, Hasach is supposed to have been murdered by Haman. Uh, you can use that if you want. You know, you're looking for tractor. Halavushi Thrud Kasav the Gam Esterach Zeronim, right? And she, in other words, like like uh, the Mishnah Bura said, that uh, Queen Esther ate his own him. She got me dig Yavos Liskarnes. Okay, uh, that shelter the Gemara that says that by Chanel it's not herself that she ate his own him. So in that case, it should say like this: There's a custom to eat Zeronim on Purim because Esther did. That's how it should go, not because Daniel did. Okay, now first I'll tell you what I consider to be a Dvar Torah, uh, and then after that, we'll look at it historically. We'll, we'll speculate historically.
what is what is the question is what is um the practice of Daniel have to do with Esther? So you could say like this, and this is the Divine Torah part. It's like this. Here comes Esther. Ain't Esther Malgetis Mulatis Bealma? She's trying to hide her identity, which is not so easy. How are you gonna do it? What happens when it comes to food? If Esther's a from girl and she was a she was a Beisaka girl, so she's not gonna eat the ham, right? Not going to eat the ham. What do you do though? If she says I only eat kosher food, she gave away as Alma Venslatata. She can't do that. So she's in a dilemma. Mordechai Sagid. Mordechai told her not to tell who she was. But you can tell by the diet, by the food right away. You understand? By the food right away. So the answer is she hit on a plan of eating uh, 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 vegetables. How are you going to sell that to the to the guy in charge of the harem? He'll be able to hop right away because nobody's Tamazai eats vegetables. You get it? Well, you know, and nothing else. Why are you doing that? You hear? LMI like this. But Queen Esther could then say, I'm not the first veggie over here. This guy Daniel, who may be the prime minister, he certainly was the former prime minister. He may be Hasoch, he may be Mamuchan, in which case he's still a big mocker in the Persian government under Achashverosh, if you buy that. Uh, look at him. It's well known that he's Jewish, because Daniel, unlike Esther, never hid the fact he was Jewish, and never bowed down to idols and so forth and so on. And look at him. When he went here, he ate beans and he looked great. In other words, she would be, if I were Esther, she'd be capitalizing upon the point that not only did they survive without eating the, the tray for meat, but they flourished, right? They flourished. I read you before that their appearance was actually better than everybody else. They looked healthier, more bream. Here, let me, let me open the page again because it's Kedai. The language is, um, the language is, well, mix says after 10 days, near Mariam Tov, they look great. Ubriye Basar, and they're gesund. They looked in, in good health as, as far as their flesh is concerned. Much better than the other people. So Esther can then say like this, I learned from Daniel's practice that the best thing for me to keep my hourglass figure and to keep looking attractive to the king is not to eat the regular food because that'll make me big and fat and give me gas and this, that, and the other. You know? So really, I love ham sandwiches. And I love chazer. And I love treif. And I love shrimp and all the rest of it. But those days are over because now I'm uh, a candidate for, for who should win the favor of the king. This is what she's telling the eunuchs. You know, this is what she's telling the people in charge of the harem. And so... In order to keep my figure, in order to stay good looking, in order to stay brie bosser, I got to do veggies. And that made sense. So, in other words, in other words, that's got nothing to do with being Jewish. That's just something to do, like we would say today. A lot of people are vegetarians uh, for, for health purposes and for appearance purposes. They figure helps me keep my figure, helps me not lose, uh, help me not gain weight, and a hundred other things along those lines. So, that way, Esther could say, uh, I'm eating the beans and the poles. But it's not a from thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It's a health thing. Where did she get that from? Daniel. Oh, so the whole way Esther survived, if you buy into it, the whole way Esther survived by not eating treif was thanks to the example that was set by Daniel. So hooray for Daniel. Let's give him a shout out because it's essential to the Esther story. Hear what I'm saying? It's not the Daniel story per se that you're celebrating. It's the Esther story because if you're, this would be according to the Mahalach that Esther didn't eat treif, then she eats zeronim. 
if she eats her own him, then she was relying upon the uh, example that had been set by Daniel, which was an example of health, which was an example of good looks, of Tov Mare Ubrei Basar. And so that would be a nice way, like I said before, I have to give dry Torah, that would be a nice way of trying to say, what's this got to do with Purim? So you say, well, because the Purim depended on Esther keeping her mouth shut. Uh, how could she do it by when it comes to kashras? But Elamai, she went the veggie route, and she could point to Daniel as an example of the health benefits of veggie food, and that's how she was able to get away with it, without the king suspecting that she was Jewish, without Haman suspecting that she was Jewish. Is it good for it? No, agreed. <clears throat> now, having said that, but Libby Omerly that uh, it's, it's a good word, but somebody would have said that, number one. And number two, um, well, I'm not sure. It's all ingenious, you know. I'm not sure that's the way these old minhagim as a historian, you know, kind of popped up. Now I'll tell you what I suspect, okay? I don't know what I suspect. Uh, this problem of Esther, what she ate, is a real problem. In general... One of the things it's hard to get a handle on, and we can't actually get a handle on it to get Clarkite, is how confidential was Esther in the whole time? Because it seems that, you know, uh, the king didn't know she was Jewish. On the other hand, Shushan had a lot of Jews. It's not possible, and you know Jews like I know Jews, it's not possible that a Jewish girl win the prize and the Jews didn't find out and start hawking. Look what happened a couple years ago with Ivanka. Get it? And she not, she was a gear. This is like real Esther. And especially if it's the wife of Ramosha Feinstein, because she was the wife of Mordecai. If that's all true. That's what the Chazal say. He doesn't say so in the book. It's simply that he raised his cousin, because she was his cousin, Ben Doda. So, right? Uh, he raised her. And he raised her like a daughter. I know the Chazal say raised like a wife. But the point's like this. If 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 she came from someone such a hush of a background, and she's now in the harem, especially when she rises to the top, it's not possible that the Jewish community didn't know about it and start blabbing. It can't be. Haman couldn't have been such an idiot. And the other anti-Semites who he stirred up to activity all across the empire, I could have that they had to go and make special decrees for the Jews to defend themselves, as we all know lies at the heart of the story of Purim. It's not possible that the that the uh, identity could be kept. In spite of what I'm saying, the Chazal go to great lengths to say she never told. And he only found out when he Hamihuzev Ezahu you look in the Gemara, they said that's when he found out that she she had to say, I'm Jewish and Haman is her enemy and so forth and so on. And the Chazal say, oh, you're, you're Bashal, you come from Shal, then the king could talk to her directly. There's all these rabbinic teachings on the subject, which seem to indicate that Esther was able to keep her confidentiality. And yet, Meidah Gisa, I happen to remember that in Gemara it says, why did Esther uh, invite only Haman to the party? She invited two people, two men, the king and Haman. And, you know, it's like eight or nine or ten answers. And one of them is, so that the Jewish people would start davening and not say, We have nothing to worry about in the White House. We have Jared and Ivanka. Yes, so we got Esther over there, and they're going to talk to the king on our behalf. We don't have to daven. But if Esther starts kissing up, at least that's the way it looks, 
to home and she gives him a special VIP invitation and she's done by anybody else. I'm the only one who's invited to the party. So then the Jews look like this. Esther jumped ship. She joined the anti-Semites. Now she's fighting for the Ukrainians. And what do you call it? We can't rely on her. We better dive in for ourselves. That implies that they knew who she was. That they knew. So it is a problem. Now I know you have contradictory Agatha disaster. Believe me, I know that. But this one lies like at the, at the heart of the story. And it's all in the same Gemara's. Right? It's all in Gemara Megillah. So it's a little bit weird. And that lies, again, at the heart of the question of what she ate for food. Because if you say, and then he knew who she was. Okay? And how could it be that everybody eats, uh, you know, uh, ham and cheese, and Esther gets this uh, special food on the side? You know, airline food, that every time is lunch in the harem, they all eat what they do, and she gets the airline food, you know, that you uh, open, open with the, uh, the plastic. You know, that's a giveaway. You see, how could, how could it be? So, again, I say this lies at the very heart of the Esther story. <clears throat> now, any, the, the Hamun Am, especially in the Middle Ages, didn't know Gemara much. The rabbis did. The scholars did. And so, it doesn't say anything in the Megillah about what she ate for food. Some have heard, I mean, even though people didn't know Gemara, but a lot of Agatitas were out there, especially the women. You'd be surprised. They didn't have Tenerent at that time, but they had the equivalent. People, there, there was a lot of this Agatic knowledge floating around in the Ashkenazi communities. Some of it correct, some of it incorrect, a little fuzzy. And so it had to have been, if you go back eight, 900 years ago, that people were saying, like, so what she do for food? And she hid her identity and all the rest of it. And there must have been people who said... Look, she ate trafe, you know what I mean? That's how it goes. Uh, Rashi says words to the effect that it wasn't her fault. You know, I mean, Rashi says those words. Where is it over here? Uh, bacon. It was an onus situation. And therefore, she wasn't punished. It's not her fault. My father ate plenty of trafe. He was in Dachau and the other concentration camps. If you get a horse meat, I mean, they were starving. By the time the war's over, he was like 80 pounds. Or less, you know, starving, starving. Of course, you can eat ten. Uh, if you want to be a super chassid, I've only heard one or two. You know, most, most people during the if you were in the Holocaust, you had literally nothing to eat, so you ate whatever you had. That's pushit, right? Um, when the war's over, it's a different story. So get over it. So who says this? Uh, it's Rob, I guess. Let me just see here again. Uh, here it is. I'm a Rova. I'm sorry, not Rova. Rob says, Shmuel. Rob Shmuel. Shmuel says, She ate bacon. I mean, she ate bacon. Um, so, so, I'll say it again. So me, who's talking to you now on this podcast, me, myself, and I, I have no problem with that, like I said before. My parents were from a whole generation of people, quote-unquote, a trafe in the years 1940-45, if you were unlucky enough to be over there. Okay, I mean, we understand that. You, you don't have any time. In our time, we've been sensitized, or at least my generation. Maybe the young generation is more supercilious. It's very possible that the Americans, 
who are a bunch of chams and bachlinu uh, alsi arbasar achlein lechem tovah instead of judging others. You know, so like the Rabbi Vigdan Miller approach to judge the Holocaust. I got no time for that. The uh, no time for that. But the people went through the war. They know what I'm talking about. So you read this, Queen Esther, and you said, "Yes, Nebuch." You know, she was stuck in the harem. It was a real bummer, and she had to betray for me. You know, she wasn't happy about it. You know, she wasn't happy about it. She did it, and then you would sympathize with Esther to the extremes to which she was reduced. However, <clears throat> extremities to which she was, she was reduced. But on the other hand, there's always the other side, which is the from personality recoils from the thought that a from person would eat treif, especially Chazer. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's just a repulsive. Uh, see, you hear, I'm talking about competing sensibilities. One says, I totally get it. It was a Holocaust or she was in her bad situation and people had to do what they had to do. Nebuch, poor Esther, she was from BJJ. She didn't want to do it. She had to do it as part of the suffering she went. Listen, she had to sleep with the king. It's, it's, she didn't want that either. It was a bummer. You know, it's 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 a nebuch. The other way he saying is, chas that a person was a tzedekis and later had ruch hakodesh, she treif. She treif. And that's in Tosfus. See, you have Rashi versus Tosfus. Rashi says, get over it. Tosfus says, chas v'shom hilo chelas. That vayishanev esnarosel which means that he gave her bacon, but she didn't eat it. That's a different story. So the language is unclear. It's deliciously unclear. Maybe that's the wrong adjective. And um, it says, uh, where is it again? I keep looking. It's in the, in the Gemara here. Uh, here it is. Vaishanel is narasel. Shehechila Michael Yehudi. Shehechila Kadir Chaziri. So Tosa is saying, Hechila. But Damni, she ate it. Rashi saying, come on. Hechila means he made her eat. He gave her to eat. She ate it. Get over it. Okay? So, you don't want to have a custom, obviously, that, you know, in honor of Queen Esther's plight, in order to show identification with her, you eat Chazer. But, uh, on the other hand, uh, that's what's going on over here. So, the, the folk... So let me put it this way. The third opinion is she ate vegetables. If you're, if, if a custom arose that Esther acted her, uh, admiring the heroism of Queen Esther, and she was a heroine, no question about it. She suffered for Claudius role. Get, get used to that. I mean, she was Sedekis. She was ready to get killed by the king for walking in the room. You know, she was ready, the Gemara says, if it came to it, she would throw herself on Haman, and start kissing him, and the king will kill him both. I'll take him down with me. So she was Sedegas. But if you're from me, he's like, oh, she trafe. <laughs> you get it? She trafe. And so you can understand that there will be a counter custom, which is no, she ate vegetables. Lee beyond really, I could be wrong, of course, that originally, the way this minute, in my opinion, the way the minute originated in old Germany, in old Ashkenaz, was there was a minute to eat Zeronium. In, in to remember Queen Esther, not Daniel. To remember Queen Esther. The only problem is, once you come up with that, which would, by the way, which would be a great minug, right? Uh, don't you agree? If there was a minug today that we eat, you know, uh, beans or peas or something like that on Purim, uh, and you say, you say this, and Nebuch, this is what Esther had to eat for years. Years! Because it was years before she was able to come out of the closet and say she was Jewish. So just think about that. In addition to having suffered, 
to have to sleep with the king. That was a big enough bummer. In addition to all that, she seven days a week, three times a day, she had vegetables. Okay? So that's actually heroism. But the things like this, if you would commemorate that, then it would always make people always talk about the fact, well, some say that she ate trafe. This is considered, as you see from Tosis, very repulsive, a very, uh, what's the right word? Unpleasant. We don't want to think about even the possibility that someone like Queen Esther could eat a ham sandwich. It goes against the grain. You understand? And the pious, I think, the pious sensibilities of old, of a thousand years ago, as I understand the Hasidi Ashkenaz and the people of that time, uh, recoils from having to think that Queen Esther possibly ate a chazer. You understand? I mean, of course, there were, you know, like I said before, I don't think they had the Holocaust sensibility, and I don't think they had the modernist, humanistic sensibilities in which we say, Ay nebuch. Uh, but rather it was like this, chas v'shom hilachas, you know, it can't be. And the Zohar says it was a shade, you know, a shade was an Esther. So these all reflect the fact it's inconceivable to them, you know, that this happened. And therefore, the custom changed over time, meaning the Frumis, I'm very serious about this, I'm not being funny, that the Frumis, the Rabbonim, the whoever it was, got to hold this minig and they like rechanneled it. And they said, what about this old minig that we've been doing for Ovos and Ovos Ovos, which is the Zeronim? That's for Daniel. That's for Daniel, which is after all in the book. And when you read the Daniel story, it's all a plus. Get it? There's no downside to it. Daniel was a, was a guy, and then you say, oh, see, he was in college among the glam, and he still kept kosher. It's a very positive, you see? And, uh, and then they say, Daniel, Esther, they all more or less lived at the same time, and therefore, Gam Daniel Zachor Latov. But originally, I think, originally, it was that you eat Zeronim because Esther ate Zeronim. Except that, you don't want to bring up the counter narrative, which is that of Shmuel, which is a Deya, right? And this is in the Gemara, not somebody in the Velterheim, who says, no, get over it, she, she Chazer. At the end of the day, and with this I'll conclude, because I went long on this, uh, at the end of the day, I imagine that the difference between Rashi and Tosas is not simply a matter of competing sensibilities. It is that, but I say it's not simply a matter of competing sensibilities. But I would venture to suggest the following. Uh, when you, uh, the din, as we all know, is that in a Pekoch never situation, we trafe. It's not one of the big three. And Pekoch never we trafe. And as I said before, Jews have always done that. However, we have a famous tradition in Judaism that if you treif, it, it, it uh, what's the right, metamtam is alev. So it clogs up your your um, spiritual arteries. Uh, I mentioned before, if you read the Kleisenberg Rebbe stories, which I think are true, and when he was in concentration camp, when he was there for about a year, approximately a year, okay, because Kleisenberg was Hungary, Romania, so approximate year. Now, it was a year of hell, but he was there for about a year, just to put it in perspective. And uh, the Kloisenberger Rebbe, so he himself personally didn't eat Trefiezeronim, you know. Uh, if I remember correctly in the book, it was like raw potatoes and junk like that, which of course meant he was very skinny. Why? 
he told the others they could eat. You know, the Kleisberg Hasidim and others were with him in the camp in 44, 45, and they said, what should we do? And you know, they were starving away. You can imagine that. They're starving away. So, um, he said, I guess you can eat, but I don't want to eat. So he said, why didn't you want to eat? And so, uh, I'm going by memory here, but I think he said like this. If you eat tray for food, it's matam to mezalev. So it clogs up your thinking arteries. And in the concentration camp, every day you're faced with life and death possibilities. And I have to be able to think clear, clear with a Torah perspective. Um, and I don't mean that in simply in a firm sense, but in other words, to make split-second executive decisions and they have to be right. And I'm afraid if I eat starting treif, my judgment will be clad and won't be right. <clears throat> and I know what he's talking about because my father had a situation, you know, like, one day they say, who wants to go out and chop wood in the forest? You don't know if they really mean it. And this is maybe a way to get out there and eat some nuts and berries uh, because there's some, you know, junk lot food or whatever and whatever lying around the forest. Or maybe it's an excuse to shoot you. You know, the Germans did that all the time. So you had to weigh every day. Maybe it's a trick on the part of the Germans. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's an opportunity to get food. Uh, again, in... Um, I remember reading that at the very end of the war, the Americans are nearby, but they're not there yet. And uh, the Kleisberger was with a bunch of guys in a, in a train, one of those uh, cattle cars, and they said, the Americans are here, come on out. And he said, this doesn't smell right, don't go out. And some went out and got shot by the Germans. It was the last joke on the part of the Germans. <clears throat> you know, they got shot there tragically. And a day later, two days later, whatever it is, three days later, then they said, the Americans are here, coming out. He said, this is the real thing. And it was the Americans. It was the Americans, you see? So that's the idea of saying you have to have, you know, the right judgment. But that whole story is predicated on Tosavus. Everything I just told you is predicated on Tosavus. What do I mean? If the din is that you're in a, a desperate situation, you have to eat treif, is that like hotra or dechuya? You see what I'm saying? If you say it's dechuya, that really you shouldn't, but the circumstances compel you to do so, so then that would be mashra, at least the way I understand it. That would imply that the trade food does have bad properties to it. But under desperate situations, to save life, you're forced to do it. So it will be metantimus alev. And that's it. You'll live as a Jew. You'll be a Shemr Shabbos. You have a, cer- a certain amount of timtum alev. As I hate this. <clears throat> you can get past it. Look, how many BTs do you know out there today? Bali Chuba that are from people. Talmud Chachamim. Magid You know. They used to eat trash, right? You know, this guy got from at 15. This girl got from at 18, at 20, at 22. They went to, I don't know, you know, uh, <clears throat> or Sameach, one of those places. <clears throat> you know, right? Lobavish. They ate trash. You see what I'm saying? So you can say, oh, you're matum to Malay for the rest of your life. No, you, 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 you work on it. Maybe it's like smoking, you know, after a while it goes away. I don't know. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is to say, Hutra, if the Torah tells you that this is what you do in this situation, that becomes the din. The da'as of the Torah is, if someone's in a starvation situation, you eat whatever is at hand. The same Torah tells you that if you have to bow down to an idol, then you give up your life. It's the big three. The same Torah tells you, if it's not the big three, then Yavraval Yarg. Yavraval Yarg. And so it can't be, there's a Tim Tamalev. So, it seems to me, Rashi is advocating, he said, It was an onus. She was stuck where she was. She didn't want to get caught up in the, in the, in the roundup of the girls for the king's uh, uh, choice, 
for the king's harem. She got stuck there with a bummer. She had to eat. She would die. So she ate whatever was at hand. The guy gave her the ham. She ate the ham. You know, we told Hansel and Nensho. As you see from the story, she did not have Tim Tamalev. She had Gvoris Alev. And she made the right choice. When she went into the king, you see, she knew how to talk. She knew how to plan. She said, etc., etc. She played her hand very well. Mordechai suspected that she's trying to wiggle out, but Mordechai was wrong. You understand? Mordechai completely misjudged her. He said, We know this story, but she, <laughs> she, he just misjudged her. You see? And she said, I'll take my life from my hands. So you see from there, he just read her wrong. Okay? Or maybe suspected, or whatever it is. I understand both sides. But really, she was good. So she didn't have a tempt to leave. But you could argue the other way around also. You know, it's always possible to do that. But I don't think that people wanted to get into these conversations. Well, let's put it this way. At the level of popular minhag, they didn't want to get in these conversations. Even today, I'll bet you there are a lot of people out there, unless you've learned the Gemara Megillah, now, I'm not in Dafyomi. I know recently they did that. But um, uh, until the age of Dafyomi, I'm not sure how many people knew the story that Queen Esther is eating ham, uh, according, you know, according to Shmuel. They probably would say, Lo Yitachan. You get it? So, um, you know, unless you're in a, what do you call it? A, uh, what, what's the word? In uh, Yaakov class or whatever. But usually not. And therefore, they didn't want to bring up the whole subject. But th- therefore, they say like this. Instead of a minhug, do you celebrate the fact that she ate Zeronim? We say we have a minhug developed that Daniel, Daniel ate uh, uh, Zeronim. That's probably the custom, the, the description of custom change. Libby Umbrell, that's what I think. I could be wrong. That's that. That's what I suspect. On the other hand, you could always give a Dvar Torah and say she did it because it was a good for the weight, and now she learned from Daniel. <laughs> so I'm simply sharing this with you because look at how a little detail on uh, a minhug on Purim if properly um, analyzed, can show you a whole little slice into a fascinating and very controversial piece of the Purim story. Uh, that's all for now. I want to thank once again Clock Plumbing for very spontaneously, very generously agreeing to uh, sponsor this. And with that, I wish everybody a uh, Purim. If I have a chance, I'll try to do another one. But meanwhile, let's get this one out of the way. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.